podcast. Woo! Yes. Yeah. Oh, yes. Let's get this going. Woo! What's up, people? Welcome to Creative Theory Podcast, the show that brings you conversations with visual artists about how they got to where they got, what their day-to-day is like, what their struggles are, their thoughts, their... Um, relation with the art world and a lot more today is a really special one because we got two artists in the studio and i've never done that before but i think it's going to be extra awesome and um uh they got a show coming up where i'm sure we're going to chat about but first i think i want to make an introduction i think we'll do it in alphabetical order i was trying to figure out how to do it so all right she is a creative project-based artist working with printed uh, matter in flat sculptural and performance manners uh, also, interesting fact, non-regular faculty at Emily Carr University Art and Design. Very awesome. And um, I was trying, I think I should describe your work. And I, um, there's a really beautiful um, balance of detail and then these uh, quiet spaces within it, within the collage work, which I think is really, uh, the, the balance is quite beautiful. And her archives, research, and print matter aim to place historical content within her contemporary visual art practice. Amy Annie Brown, how did I do? Was it good? That's I? fantastic. I was, I was prepping, I was prepping, I think. Okay, sweet. Awesome. <laughs> Thanks so much. Julie. And our second guest is a Vancouver mixed media artist, primarily working with painting and collage. Uh, her work focuses on uh, geometry, territories, perception, and cartography. And um, one thing I found that was interesting, and I, uh, I've seen this artist work before, but um, recently she's having pieces that are not just collage and they're... Um, uh, primarily painting but the cool thing is that the geometrical elements that were being read within the collage work there were like these beautiful tile shapes now they're translating into these painted shapes but with a seems like a more emphasis on design the compositions are really uh, clean and beautiful so i suggest you look up this yeah. artist <laughs> also uh stylistically her work is part abstractions and part design objects that aim to create conversation of uh modes of perceiving land and space what do you think? Yeah, that, that's amazing. Thank leader. you so much. Uh, no, you're, you're welcome. I was, uh, I was trying to yeah, hope that I did you justice. And uh, in fact, if, peop- uh, if people are wondering why we got to collage uh, artists in studio, there's a show coming up uh, the, on June 2nd at uh, South Main Gallery called In Situ, along with two other artists. We got, uh, uh, let me know uh, if I get this right, Julia Croats. Yeah, that, that's and right. And then yep. we got Julia. Jesse McNeil. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, uh, thank you so much for making the studio. Let me figure out if my sound is correct here before we continue. I think we're all good. I just like I hear myself so much, but I think we got this. So uh, I think I want to talk about the art show in a bit. But the way I thought we would start this and uh, uh, let me know how uh, it's going to go. I want to make sure that we maybe talk a little bit more about the collage medium itself, because I realize I actually never. Well, I don't know that many artists that work primarily with collage. So this is very exciting for me. And um, the medium itself uh, seems pretty curious because it's been used for so many movements, right? Whether it was like uh, Dadaism or minimalism, or I mean, found art in itself, I guess, is a uh, movement on its own. So my question to you would be to start out, how do you uh, find yourself within this uh, art world beyond the title as a collage artist? Do you, um, uh, does something else uh, stay true to the style that you pursue? And I guess, Amy, if you want to start sure. first, and then we'll just keep it going. Yeah. Um, for me, I think something that's really important to bring into the conversation of collage as a medium is that um, 
I'm interested in the way that collage can cooperate with printed matter. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, I'm actually using the knowledge that I have from being a traditionally trained printmaker to look at, examine, select the printed matter that I choose to bring into the collage world that mm-hmm. I'm building. So I'm looking at how something is printed, if it's lithographic offset press, if it has a like a, a nice fuzzy dot or something that's more crisp. Like I get into the weeds yeah. with it. And, and that for me is a way of also letting the collage work not just be about a kind of randomness or a gut feeling. I'm looking for very specific qualities out of the material that I want to work with. Awesome. But is there, like, I'm looking for a title. I don't know if there is one. It doesn't have to be defined with one word, but is it? You know, is it, um, would you say you fit in within the modern art world? Is it abstract? Is it, uh, is there something else beyond collage or that's it? One of the words that I've been using lately that I think really encapsulates the theme that I'm looking at and kind of the the raison d'etre with the work that I'm making is the idea of transrealism. So uh, transrealism builds (laughs) on ideas of science fiction. It builds on the understanding of, in many cases, um, it's used in fiction worlds to understand that we're representing something that could be real, that's maybe in the (coughs) near future, but that's also perhaps a bit off. Um, and so it's, it's work that embraces an idea of apocalypse, survivalism, um, dystopian futures, really light Sunday morning kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like it. Well, I think that makes a lot of sense, though, when you're describing your work, because yeah. you are, uh, in your work, there's a lot of um, references to the future, to the past. And so, so, so in a way, yeah, that, that makes complete sense yeah. when you take a look at your work. Totally. And uh, before we get you to you to stress, uh, mm-hmm. do you want to um, just uh, maybe throw out your website or Instagram as people are listening, they could check out your work as we're chatting about it. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, Amy, go ahead. Sure. Uh, if you're curious about the website or the work that I'm just talking about, um, please visit me at amybrown.ca. That's A-I-M-E-E-B-R-O-W-N dot C-A. And then on Instagram, um, in my professional life, I usually use my middle name. So I'm Amy Henny Brown, A-I-M-E-E-H-E-N-N-Y-B-R-O-W-N. There you go. There yeah. You go. Um, my website is www.tristesse, T-R-I-S-T-E-S-S-E, Seeliger, S-E-E-L-I-G-E-R.com. Damn. Nice. Nice. And uh, Instagram is at Missy Trissy, which is uh, my husband's <laughs> brainchild. <laughs> it's awesome when I found you. Great, uh, great name. So yeah. what, what about yourself? Do you think you, what other um, uh, genres do you associate yourself with or you work towards within your art? What would you say? Well, you know, if I'm being totally honest, um, I, I don't think I ever have thought of, you know, I didn't, I don't think I approached uh, making art in that way so much. Um and, you know, now it's important for me to think about placing myself in some kind of context, of course. But I think at the beginning, uh, I started making collages because I was dealing with math math um, concepts and trying to figure out how to teach math in my uh, art classes with high school students and combining ideas around math and art. And, um, and I was looking a lot at tessellations, which is a, a very... Uh, uh, it's a, it's a art kind of math lesson that they do in grade eight a lot and looking at Islamic tilings and geometry Escher um, and and at that time uh, some friends of mine gave me these maps and so 
and all of a sudden I was like, oh, I really want to collage or I want to collage these, cut them up, collage them and put them into tessellations and tilings. And as soon as I did it, did that, it was magic. So I didn't really, you know, of course, I think a lot of artists can relate to the fact that they come to something not because they had an intellectual idea about it, but that it, there was this instinctual impulse to do it. And or, you know, they weren't thinking about where they were in the big scheme of things. So I, I just want to keep it real by saying that um, <laughs> I definitely came to doing these collages, which I have been doing for four years now, um, you know, really organically. And then, and then as it's gone and has, as it's pro, uh, pro progressed, you know, I started meeting more collage artists and kind of really uh, finding my way within that community. And so, uh, you know, I think Amy's been doing it a bit longer than me and she's, and she's <laughs> definitely had a lot more I think time to kind of, um, you know, put herself into that context. But I, yeah, I, I would say that, um, yeah, I, I think I'm still sort of finding my way. And, and I also don't necessarily think of myself just as a collage artist because yeah. I'm constantly feeling like, oh, you know, like I, you know, where I think I want to go next, next year, it will be away from that. But um, I definitely am following this theme. Mm -hmm. So I think a lot of people can relate to that, though. Oh, of course. Yeah. And that's why, uh, uh, that's why I mentioned also painting in the beginning. But it is interesting that uh, you, I don't, do, do you think you have to have a name uh, of the art that you do? And the reason why I even asked that question is because I found that in your bios, you describe your work really well, but you didn't, I guess you could say you didn't corner yourself into just one genre. Like you, uh, Amy, mentioned uh, project-based artists, and I thought it was a really cool way to mention that because it gives you the freedom of being whatever you want to be within the the medium that you're pursuing um but it's yeah. intentional yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah i think there is there is sort of a uh what i notice in that writing about art and uh if you have people who are interested in asking you what you do they're looking for a very succinct quick answer but the truth of it is i think much more vast and broad like tristas when you're talking about how collages come in and helped inform some of your painting work i really relate to that because there's i think we are all and especially uh, within the women that are showing within the institution exhibition we are multitudes we have a lot of different ways of making yeah. that are maybe more about the ideas that we're pursuing and hunting down than it is about oh I'm a collage artist so I have to make collage totally. I'm interested in ideas and if it needs to be a collage then it's a collage if it needs to be a drawing then that's what I need to be doing and to mm -hmm. to allow yourself the latitude to be able to do that so that you don't get stuck in a bit of a hamster wheel yeah. and as Tristess mentioned it's like you don't start out doing art you're like, oh, I'm going to be, I'm just a real pa uh, painter. Although, actually, I wonder if some people do. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe they do do that. But it's, yeah, uh, the whole idea, it seems like restricting if you just do that to yourself. But it's, you know, yeah, when it comes to galleries and you have a show coming up, it seems like you have to say something about yourself and people want a digestible name, right? So Yeah, and, of, yeah. and I and I appreciate that you have to do some thinking about where, where you're at. Like, once you've... Uh, explored your themes and developed a body of work then I really appreciate the fact that we need to think about where we are in relationship to the other artists around us and uh, what we're commenting on and I think that's just an important intellectual exercise it's difficult to do totally um, I think when you talk to any artist about them writing their artist statement there's a lot of groans and uh, <laughs> and and um, yeah just like a bit of 
discomfort because I think any work that you're doing intellectually and artistically, there is some discomfort and with that discomfort comes quality work often. So you just got to embrace it. And then, and then you're starting to, I think it's just a, in a lot of ways, when you do that, you're really discovering who you are and what, what your voice is and so um, I think finding where you are in the context of a much bigger situation is uh, you know art artistic situation whether it is in the community that you're in or in the world you know you're lucky if you're, you're being <laughs> discussed in the in that community <laughs> that yeah. large of a community but it's just like very very important work to do but it's mm -hmm. difficult and uh, I, I I also find it difficult because um, I, I really have a lot of different ideas. I think that, I, you know, ideas aren't something that I have a problem with, but it's like, I don't want to pigeonhole myself um, mm, yep. into one. Like I've spent four years collaging and it's, I'm still finding it interesting, but I also think, okay, well, what's the next thing I want to do? And if Amy did a total right turn and wanted to make, you know, she, <clears throat> she started wanting to make, um, you know, something that she's never done before, then I think every artist needs to have the freedom to do that. And so, you know, especially if it's following the intellectual track that you're on or creative track that you're on, that's important to do. So, yeah, I think, you know. What if it doesn't? What if you just want to do completely 180? One thing? Yeah, well, no, oh. 180. Like, what if you want to do, it doesn't, it's not even going to follow the uh, intellectual line. What yeah. about that? Are we cool with that? Yeah, <laughs> I've, I've seen a lot of artists who have decided whether like, okay, I'm a landscape painter. I've been a landscape painter for 20 years. Um, but what I really need to do for this particular project is to embrace an idea of hard metal sculpture. Oh, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Just completely, uh, yeah. But I think also like there's the voice of the artist in that regardless. Yeah. How too. they look at landscape, how they digest the information in the world around them, what kind of research they engage with. and. I'm putting air quotes around research that could be <laughs> sketching, yeah. that could be looking at books, that could be looking at other artists, but that voice is going to translate across medium. And that's, mm -hmm. I hear a lot of people, um, I teach an art and business class. And mm -hmm. one of the things that we do within that class is often learning how to write artist statements without feeling like you're going to pigeonhole yourself <laughs> into something so specific that you'll never be able to make anything else. But to also give yourself the flexibility where if you want to make that hard 180 turn, that you have the breadth and the room for that exploration. Mm -hmm. Because I think it does get scary when you feel locked into your medium and your ideas are moving beyond that. Yeah. And then uh, we had a chat uh, last week and I thought another thing that we brought up is how um, the audience has come to expect something from you, you know, and it's almost like an extra added... Uh, uh, pressure maybe to produce um, work that's within the uh, kind of along the path that you've been following before right and I probably can play into it as well <laughs> do you feel that or no I think that I think that's a super uh, interesting question because uh, I think as as you're as you're making work if you've had any type of success with it which means that people have responded to it and maybe bought bought it um, and you get into a gallery system, then then sometimes there is pressure from the gallery or from your clientele that they would like the same thing to be produced. And I think that's you know I've had a I have had some uh, success with my map work, mm -hmm. um, so I do feel that a tiny bit actually. But I also have decided because I don't 
rely on the income that I'm making from my artwork mm-hmm. um, to, to, to live that um, I think my what I'd like to do with my own uh, creative process is to to actually allow myself the freedom to explore and mm-hmm. so like for me in the next little while I, I'd really like to uh, go into the creative cave and <laughs> which was <laughs> my studio kind of cave, yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and play a little bit more and push myself in the direction I'd like to and not necessarily um, make more of the same map work although I, I like it and would if mm-hmm. somebody commissions me to do that I will do it and um, but I also really would like to push my creative like I think that's what I'm planning for my next year is to give myself like four months and sort of do a self-imposed um, art art residency you know in my studio (laughs) what is it scary um actually to preparing for this show um i sort of pushed myself away from the maps Mm -hmm. a little bit and but i'm still doing the collage and tessellation but then went into painting and i it was scary when i started doing it because i had to produce for the show which was great because i had a deadline and i had to get it out which I think a lot of people uh, feel, you know, it, it can be really good for you, but it is scary because you're putting your work out into the world and you need it to look, you want it to look good and you want to feel proud of it. Um, so it did push me a little bit out of my comfort zone. And then I think it kind of got me tapped into where I want to go. So I think it's all positive, but it wasn't comfortable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How, how about you? Amy? Oh, I'm, I'm very sympathetic. To <laughs> <that>. <laughs> I did. The moment where you're forcing your work to grow beyond what you know is exceptionally important as a career artist. That's, I think, part of the reason that we choose what we do. But at the same token, it means you're constantly pushing up against your boundaries and your comfort zone. And so there isn't that same kind of stable structure if you are going into work a day in studio in the same way that someone's maybe going into the job that they have in another field where they're like, I know what time I'm going to take my lunch. I know what's going to happen in the course of the day. I know who's going to call. I know who's going to email. There's a lot of (laughs) unexpected work in there. But that's also what I find keeps me on my toes. It keeps me going to studio. Mm -hmm. It's interesting. You're already giving out so much advice, but kind of it it almost goes along the lines of embrace the struggle, whether it's (laughs) writing that... uh, uh, a little paragraph about yourself or I can I completely relate to that uh, last night I was staying up late and trying to name my pieces and even that yeah. you know putting putting emotions into words yeah I mean I know it's it's a step away from uh, writing a piece about yourself but still it's yeah it's like when you're trying to put words to a visual medium and you got to try to like dig through the vocabulary in your head trying to get it as close as you can because most likely it's not going to be that close anyways, right? Well, and you're essentializing something. And I think that's also why there's so much resistance when we're talking about artist statements. You're distilling work and thought and energy and the kind of ideas that you're pursuing into very fixed words that have very fixed meanings. Mm -hmm. And that's also, I think, why a lot of people struggle with titles too. Although I rage against untitled. Me too, me yeah. too. Or well, honestly, I still... I'm, I didn't know that about you, Amy. <laughs> we're learning so much. I also, I think kind of like you, I'm... When people name study one, I think I want it to be a little bit more than just study one. I get it. And, and, and we've all done it, I guess. But giving me a name. How are you feeling? I was frustrated when I was painting this. That's a good title. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. You know, 
it's good to hear that, that that there's some opinion about that because I actually do my titles are are sort of boring. So am I? Are you letting me know? I don't think that? that at all. <laughs> no, I think I, I honestly. Think they're awesome, actually. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Oh, of, really? Not to oh, not to you. like blatantly disagree with you, but yeah. I think your title game is strong. Oh, okay. Yeah. Flags for new countries for me is I think one of the most exciting titles that I have seen. With, is it okay to? quantify or qualify as like geometric abstraction. Yep, of course, yeah. Um, for me, that gave me a place to go in my mind where I could think about what kind of content I would bring into the work. And Well, yes. I have to just say, <laughs> because go. my husband's listening right now, that it was his title. Aww. You know, my husband, David Crompton, photographer, um, amazing human, he uh, is like my number one go-to person when I when I am working on something. He's the one, he's you know uh, as well as you, Amy, and uh, a few other people in my life. Um, he gives me a lot of feedback. And when I was doing those, um, when when I was making those flags for new countries and starting to make them, uh, we were looking at Agnes Martin's work in, mm. in bed one night. <laughs> as we do and um and he was like oh these are like flags for new countries and i was like oh that's the title of my next that's a gem i know it was such a gem and and actually he (laughs) is so good at that he's he's so good at that his brain works like that and he title whisperer he he is the title whisperer (laughs) and he's not just like like that for me he's been Mm. like that for a lot of people like Mm. we have friends who are musicians and over my life with him which it's been like 19 years now um he he has often done that and and i i think it's so essential to have people around you that are giving you know the way that he works functions for me and some of my little art tribe like amy and vanessa and you know just a a bunch of people that i talk to you know those people when you can't see outside of what you're locked into at the moment give Mm you a little uh a word or a push and and then and then you and then you find your way so that flags for new countries was definitely david crompton and uh and but i had the i had the intelligence to notice that that was a great that's right that's what i'm saying so you you took the second the the second step that was needed to be there you should just like record him all the time just i know recorder i basically do do that okay yeah if you have a good memory i like it when uh, names for pieces also don't tell you what it is but tell you what can be added extra yeah like when you see a flower vase and it says it's a flower vase i guess i get it maybe it's a study but if you're trying to Mm -hmm. bring something extra extra like in this case where like the name all of a sudden brings an extra na- narrative piece that you totally, may not have yeah. known about it. I, mm-hmm. I guess, yeah, that's yeah. nice. Uh, yeah, otherwise, like, well, w- do you think I cannot tell that it's a green vase? <laughs> <laughs> I can tell. Yeah. No, I think that's a, it's important for the work to operate as a platform. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so because I have you two here, I'm going to ask this question. Uh, what do you think uh, makes great collage work? Mm. <laughs> Thank you for the generous hand. You didn't see it, but Tristess was passing along the honors to Amy. Um, I think there's a lot of different ways to approach collage. I'm interested as much with people who are trying to make seamless joins and really excellent pairings that are kind of surprising in that the fact that they are disparate parts, as I am with folks who are looking to really push stuff up against one another that's jarring and abrasive. I look at a lot of collage work. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, I think 
there's a moment where the pieces have to transcend their original intention. Mm -hmm. So whether that's because the joinery is seamless or there's a new world that's created or you get to notice something that you couldn't see before through repetition, scale comes into play. Like I think there's a lot of fundamentals that can make really great tight collage work. But for me, it's definitely a moment where I get to kind of have a gasp or uh, a kind of light bulb where I'm looking at the work and it's it opens up something new like mm -hmm. there's there's new potential in it so it's the sum is creating something greater than the individual parts I love that you got to say that again the the original work has to transcend its original sorry I, I, I'm already messing it up but it was really well said I like uh, how yeah no it's just that idea of like when you I think the idea of collage is that you have things that you're bringing into a work that have had a previous life and now they have a new purpose right yeah yeah, yeah, yeah that's awesome yeah so their combination creates something new and exciting and it gives you a different lens to look at the world through that's uh, that's for me the kind of the moment where I'm really excited about collage work. that's a good marker Because, uh, yeah, I guess if you take someone else's photo and you put a, like, a little thing in it, I mean, you, you're not really changing it that much, I guess, right? Yeah, I want to see the context count? shift. Mm -hmm. Oh, it all counts. I, I mean, it all I'm counts. not... That's hard. Yeah. <laughs> no, we are here to tell everyone. <laughs> I am uncomfortable with that job. I know, me too. Yeah. <laughs> so my answer to that yeah. uh, is, did you, did either of you go to see Mashup at The Vague? Mm -hmm. So yes, it was really yeah. cool for me to go see that show because there was a lot of collage-like work in that show uh, because in a way the whole show is about that. Uh, and I loved going upstairs to the very top where they had all the you know original collage artists and yeah. Hannah Hawk. Do we remember who it was? Picasso. Oh, yeah, there was some Picasso work, Hannah Hawk. They had some super studio book works up there that were really nice, like yeah. early collage. So it was really cool for me to see the some of those collages because they're older and how they've held up over time. And also just what those people were doing and how weird it must have seemed at the time mm, for a yeah. general arts community to take a look at that work. And then... And then there, at the beginning of the show, when you walked in, there was, um, and I'm so sorry, I don't remember the artist, but there was a cat. Somebody had taken a videos of cat, cat videos of cats playing the piano and they collaged it, you know, collaged it yeah. in air quotes um, together to play this very obscure piece of music that <laughs> is written. Uh, and I forget what it's called, but I loved that. Um, so in a lot of ways collage isn't an, uh, an intellectual idea where uh you know when you look at the amount of collage work that's done especially if you if you would uh, include video and music in a way like sampling because mm -hmm. i think there's a lot of interesting ideas when you connect all those things together you, you really can see that um it is a profound a medium right now that people are collecting we, we have so many images around us all the time we have a lot of sound around us all the time um, uh, you know we are being subjected to a lot of you know media and ideas and so it, I think it, it, it when you put it through the filter of a human person and they're <laughs> and they're like combining it for you to try to make a new sense of all this stuff I think there's something You know, it's like a filter in a way. Collage is kind of like a filter mm. to kind of make sense of the world around you. And there is a lot of exciting collage happening. And, um, but yeah, it was, it was, for me, it was pretty profound to go back and look at early works because I was 
I was like, wow, they, they had to be gutsy to do that because yeah. it kind of looks like the, you know, in a lot of ways, if you look at it like somebody who doesn't know anything about art and doesn't look at collage, they could be like, oh, that's insane. Like, why do they do that to that <laughs> face? You know, yeah. um, they're being crazy and that's making that ugly. But in a lot of ways, it was just like, you know, having somebody go, wow, this is really cool. You're deconstructing the way that women are constantly being shown in the media and that you know that's turned of course that's turned out to be like a very important move that would have been so interesting to be to to experience that without ever having seen collage you know what i mean to go to the first collage show ever or found art mix art that would have been and uh, so what what you just said it's interesting that both of you do go i think uh, on one of your bios it said like analog the fact that it's you know oh there because you're just talking about these days the amount of data you can find and photos and imagery it's it can be overwhelming, but you could, as long as you kind of know your path, you can take it really well. But it's cool that it's not just a collage in Photoshop and you put it all together. I think it's great that uh, I'm biased, but I think it's great <laughs> that this like physical medium when you're cutting things, and uh, mm-hmm. that's very appealing to me. Yeah, I think for a lot of the work for both Tristess and I, I think we use digital tools mm-hmm. when it's necessary, oh, but mm-hmm. there's also, I think something really delicious about just sitting down at a table with a great blade and cutting stuff out. Yeah. Like a- Amy, Amy's got like about 200 <laughs> pairs of scissors. It's All true. All different shapes yeah. and sizes. Yeah, no, and she's like, I remember somebody asking her like, do you have some scissors? And she was all like, why, yes. <laughs> and she pulls out like this box you of scissors. You open up your coat. Yeah. Yeah, like <laughs> it, was, it was so awesome though. It's like, that's for real. Amy's for real. She's the real deal. Oh. <laughs> uh, that's awesome. I love it. Um, and uh, so along those lines, how would you say you get better in collage work specifically? And this is, you know, these are questions coming from uh, a guy who just like, I try to find some reference to sit down and paint where I feel like with collage work um, uh, once you get all the scissors and really good like hands at cutting out shapes it seems like the uh, or from my perspective and let me know if I'm wrong but uh, it's this uh, the conceptual and the idea and uh, uh, curating what you're going to use and then in, in the end what you're saying also how you appropriate it to be this new thing that it wasn't before and you, it takes a really good eye um, so, I mean, that's my idea, but how would you say, how, how do you get better within the collage medium as far as technical skill? Do you want me to take that? No, sure. Okay. <laughs> Amy's looking at me like, um, what do you think? Your turn. Um, Educate us. Well, okay. So, I, as a teacher, uh, I, I'm constantly asking my students to do new things. So, I'll ask them to take a collage and I'll set up pr- pr- uh, criteria, parameters that they have to work within. And... Um, you, it can be very simple or it can be a little bit more complex uh, with, you know, a more complex idea. Um, and then, you know, kids set up to do that. So I don't, I really don't think that there's one way to make a good collage mm-hmm. or, um, you know, in a lot of ways, like this, this is something as a teacher that I see all the time is that you can set up, I, I kind of find that it's good to set up really strict criteria give fairly limited um, parameters because then and if you give out that kind of criteria to like say 30 people you'll get back 30 totally different uh, responses so you realize that the criteria is really helping them come up with a lot of ideas if you if you say to somebody um like the, your question is how to do good collage. Or no, how how do you how you how do you get better within collage work? 
Right. Well, just I think that's like just do the work. I mean, the composition is a huge thing. It's <laughs> yeah. a design, right? It's just, a, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah like it's just opinion. straight yeah, yeah. up do the work, yeah. I would yeah. say. Yeah. Like, there's no long, sorry, I was trying to make a long answer out of No, a but it was answer. a really good example, yeah. though. It's so true. And uh, the whole thing about restrictions, it, it, you want to get people to be creative. When you have too many choices, it's really hard to. Yeah, there's re restrictions usually do make better work. Yeah. yeah, as a teacher and an artist, I have felt like the bet the 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 more criteria I give myself and I give my students, the better the work is because there's because I do believe that when we're given absolute choice, it's very difficult to know where to start. Mm -hmm. So there's this one I was looking at a, a collage assignment that's basically like take five pieces of paper or five lines cut five lines out of uh, black and white paper and then make interesting compositions with it and and um you know you make 20 or you know and and so you'll get the most interesting work like you'll it's so simple but it's a very beautiful uh exercise because then in a lot of ways if people take it seriously if, people, if the students get into it or you get into it then you you're dealing with a very stripped down situation and you're coming up with a lot of different mm -hmm. looks and and compositions and mm -hmm. then that kind of just tells you that it's never done mm -hmm. like the other thing i would say about getting better is that you, when in order to get better you have to recognize that you're going to make a mistake or it's not going to look good and and just suck it up like <laughs> deal with it the fact that That's you're right. take your ego out of it and go okay well that didn't work what didn't work about it and if you're a scientist about it in a way, like, okay, this didn't work. So what's the next step? Then you're going to get better. Mm -hmm. Like really, it's just, I think that's simple. I've become really interested too in like figuring out how to absorb failure faster and better. Yeah. And that oftentimes the intention that you go in with is very important. Like you're talking about setting up parameters so that you can make choices and move the work forward. And alongside that, I think it is important to remind ourselves that looking is work mm -hmm. that like giving yourself time in the mode of production or in the mode of making to take a step back and to look at your material. How is it relating to one another and to try and, and train a bit of a neutral eye as well because we can get so close to the work that it's really hard to make yeah, decisions really. about it and that's why having studio mates for me is actually really so essential important. yeah but the other side of that too i think is to also allow yourself the opportunity if you are moving in a direction it is also important to see what's happening on the peripheral mm -hmm. like one of the things that i've been really excited about in making my intentional work is that I'm documenting the backside of the collages as well. Mm. And often those compositions are a little more fresh. <laughs> they're a little more <laughs> unusual. And they're not always like what I would consider to be successful collages towards the intention that I'm pursuing. But, but there's, they're rad, Amy. Oh, there's something in them. Yeah, they're cool. But the accidental is beautiful, right? Yeah. yeah. And it's just like every once in a while you'll just be like, well, that was definitely better than what I was Flip going for. Yeah. <laughs> and I think there's something in that, that like the, the work of an artist or the work of, of a professional visual creator is not just about like hunting after the intended goal, but giving yourself space and time to look at what happens on the peripheral as well. Mm -hmm. Like there's intention, but there's also just giving yourself permission to notice what's going on. And it's really great that you can find a way to still channel spontaneity within the, uh, the mixed, uh, what would you say? I mean, like the collage work, because yeah, I mean, whether you 
see the back or you have something that like one thing just fell on top of one another the other and just like just clicks totally. because i think there's mediums where it's a lot harder to be very accidental you know whether you're i'll say like if you're filming or a sculptor you know imagine you like i know you're gonna cast something out of bronze it's although i mean there's probably ways to just like uh, but it's it seems to me that it's very important to find those accidents because they're just going to teach you so much more yeah part yeah. of that i think is digging in deep on process like giving mm. yourself the opportunity rather than just saying i want to make a painting that looks like this or i want to document this kind of space through my drawing or i want my collage work to have this kind of resonance is to also just get really super in the weeds with the process mm -hmm. so that you're noticing what your material is doing you're noticing how it conveys meaning and that i think that's where also you can look at a at a work and see that there's layers there in terms of concept mm -hmm. delivery of of idea rather than something that's just surface level that's about solely pursuing the end goal mm -hmm. uh, product is important but process is really really oh, good yeah. and this is where work really is and and like a, it's probably a mis you know the whole misconception about art being easy and it still exists unfortunately but as far as work goes like finding a process and really i mean you're like you're saying yeah. you're gonna make so many mistakes and you're just gonna have to try to figure out but that research and you know whether you then you know trying to dig into art history and try and find extra elements that can be brought in has it been done before and actually that this takes me uh, uh, this is a good segue into the next question is um as you're creating your work now and as we're creating this work for uh, the show is going to be in june 2nd uh have you do you consciously think about of how you can bring something new whether it's into the medium or your work is that on your mind i i can answer for myself and and that i sort of i think always yeah yeah i i don't want to be making work that i know over and over again um because i think i sort of like you develop a really great toolkit of things that you can do well um, and that you know how they'll cooperate or how elements will work together. Mm -hmm. um, but I think one of the things that keeps me coming back to studios to be thinking of like, how do you push this? How do you shift the material? How do you bring a new vocabulary into the work that you're making? Even just how you display work, like that's, it's that t tiny 10% at the end that I think either makes <laughs> or breaks work. Sorry, I think there's a baby somewhere <laughs> around here. <laughs> yeah, I guess if you're not, if you don't, if you, we are in on Hastings Street, at the front go. of uh, Save on Meats, and there's a, um, so that's the noise. Come hang can, with us. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. You can stand in front of the window and wave at us. It's yeah. also great. Yeah, I appreciate yeah. it. <laughs> but it was a total interruption for Amy, though. Oh, that's okay. That's all right. No, but the, the life happens. Even for like you're saying for framing, as, uh, yeah, the amount of ways you can find to do uh, like create something new is really great yeah yeah well and I think that's something for me um <coughs> intentionally bringing in Julia and Jesse into the conversation that we're having because of having four different artists showing in one space and having different tactics about how we show and share our work I think makes for a really rich opportunity like I'm always idea hunting when I mm -hmm. go to galleries I'm looking at the work as much as I am thinking about like oh I really like that display mechanism or that hardware looks great <laughs> yeah. and it's I'm, I'm very comfortable nerding out about that because it's strategies yep. and to be able to see how Jesse is working in a in almost a figurative way with collage and is creating dimensional figures out of her work 
for me is really inspiring to think about building depth into my collage work, which is usually pretty flat and 2D. Mm -hmm. And so I find that there's been some really nice ways of just like within this small community of four artists of building a bit of a vocabulary and an understanding that what you can do within that framework of of 2D based work or collage work is actually quite vast. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, um, Jesse's been doing this She's what she's going to be presenting in, in situ is, forget what it's called. What's what's her pieces? What's it called? That's a great. Oh, question. okay, sorry. Sorry, Jess. <laughs> yeah, um, <laughs> uh, it'll come to me actually in a minute. Um, but her work is um, these beautiful painterly like um, depictions of people mm -hmm. uh, that are separated out of context, but they're contemporary people. You can see that it's uh, people that have that exist now at, at this time in history and um but they're they're very painterly and um and and small and uh sort of i i would say that they're precious i don't know if she would describe it like that and then um and then julia's work julia kruz's work is uh has lately been taking a, a bunch of images that are more about the human experience and being and, and the spirit of humanity, um, looking at patterns and tapestries and uh, vessels and how we how we contain our spirit. And so she has she's sort of dealing with um, kind of a bigger concept and and all, but making it sort of more minimal in her compositions. And mm -hmm. they're you know they're quite they're it's quite different from my work. Um, I think I think what's cool about this, and and you know, we Amy and I had talked about this like a year ago. That and and actually, Julia and Jesse, we we wanted to work together because we've been drawn together by you know shows or meeting up and recognizing that we're you know following this track that we're on, and that bringing us all together would be something that we all you know we're looking forward to and wanted to do and so this is this this show um feels like a long time coming and i'm super excited about it because there there are these three women that i'm showing with i'm so excited to be showing with because i completely respect them as artists and people and i believe in their work and uh, it's all i feel like it's all quite different so it sort of gives a nice little snapshot of what's happening you know? That is yeah. really cool, and that's actually that's what struck me at first when I went onto uh, the South Main Gallery page to see the art show. Is that not only it's very diverse, mm -hmm. as you were mentioning, even though w w within the same uh, genre, you could say, but like everyone's approach to it is so fascinating. And yeah, I mean, from you're saying how Jesse's work uh, being figurative yet still having the cu cutout element and the way she approaches each shape. Is really it's cool. delightful. Yeah, and I really like how, uh, like you were mentioning about uh, Julia's work, is that the really clean spaces, like the backgrounds, yeah. and then I, I think it fits within the, uh, I guess whether it's uh, you're saying human emotions or interactions, how they play into within those compositions, and then within the organic shape, it's just like really, uh, yeah. They're I, stunning. I was really fascinated by mm. everyone's work, and actually, so let's, uh, I might as well just get into it then. Yeah, uh, let's talk about South Main Gallery <laughs> and the show. Let's do, yeah, let's talk about the show. Um, so do you want to give a little, uh, or a little uh, long story about how uh, this came to be, how these four artists that, how do, well, actually, well, yeah, how do you find each other, and how did this show come together? Well, <laughs> I met, uh, well, Julia actually 
uh, runs the GAM Gallery, which is on, it's like this beautiful little gallery where there are amazing shows that continue. Um, so she's the co-founder with Tara Hogue mm -hmm. uh, and she, she curates there and owns the gallery and then she's an artist and has artist spaces there. And I, and I actually, she asked me to have a show there and while I, you know, while I kind of came into that space, which was, I was invited to come into the space to have the show, you know, I was introduced to Ju um, Jesse because Jesse had some work there. And then Amy, how did we meet? I think we've, we had circled around one another yeah. socially, but I think the, honestly, the first time we met one another was when we found out we were studio mates. Yeah. At we, the Arts Factory. Because mm -hmm. I was going to say, you are studio mates. Yeah. yeah. So you've been there for a while before even meeting each other. Well, we both we actually got the space at the same, uh, like we moved in on the same day. Nice. Which it was, so it was like, yes, because I, <laughs> because I I'd had very small interactions with Amy and they all were just amazing. She's smart. She's kind. She's talented. So, you know, like great. That's both of you. Yes. Yeah. Nice. No, no, but it's true. And, and, um, and then Julia had invited me to come and have a show there, but, and you know, it's kind of, it's one of those indie galleries on Hastings street you know that's mm -hmm. it's a bit more challenging and not as many people know about it but they're there what's amazing about the gam gallery is they're constantly bringing in and giving uh, emerging artists great opportunities to show their work and it's become known as kind of a hub of like you know this is the next up and coming thing awesome. mm -hmm. and so at that time you know i i think that as an artist you have to create opportunities for yourself and amy's an amazing writer so when we, this past year, we were sort of talking like, how, how can we, we let, let's put together a proposal for a show. And we did without really having like a specific spot to, to place the show. Mm -hmm. We wrote up this proposal, bringing these artists together because it's like, uh, you know, wanting to work with people you respect mm -hmm. and then, yes. and then, and then making it happen choosing them asking them to be a part of it curating your own show which is Tristessa's superpower making nice. things happen <laughs> seriously no and that's I think we've collaborated in a couple of events yeah. now or like whether that's proposals or actual events that are taking place in the city and what I really appreciate is like everybody brings a, a skill set with them, but mm -hmm. it is particularly magical when you meet someone who is like, I will light that fire. <laughs> it, and it's just really, it's remarkable to have that. Aww. It's a gift. You it gotta, really is. You gotta have those people. Uh, before we, uh, I really wanna get, uh, one thing I was curious uh, about and really wanna find out is how the theme came to be and how, because yeah, four artists, one theme, that's, you gotta make sure and that it totally works totally different, yeah. like in a lot of yeah. ways, yeah. Exactly. right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, actually, yeah, let's, let's talk about that. How how did you make that work that's a challenging task i think it's th the nice thing about the way that the writing built around this show is that we know the work really intimately um we've had the opportunity to meet the artists and get to know them and get to know why they make the work that they do we're colleagues and friends um and i think thematically instead of looking at picking a theme and trying to shoehorn the work into it the theme came about a bit more organically by saying, okay, we have a group of people that we really want to work with, that we're excited to build as colleagues and to create opportunities for ourselves, and to look at ways that we could frame our practice that was broad enough that everybody's work could shift or change within that, but also so specific enough so that you can say, this is what the show means mm -hmm. when you yep. put it forward for a proposal. Because I think the writing for a proposal situation does have to have a, a 
clearer agenda. Yeah. Um, and this is once again putting words on paper about yeah. now four artists. Uh, that's a <laughs> yeah. And eight, and like so, we met briefly. I wrote down. I basically looked at everybody's work, and I wrote down my you know just like thoughts and feelings about it in point form. And then I and then I came to Amy and said, "These are the things that I'm seeing." And then Amy took that all the way <laughs> into her special sp- head space. And it's then, weird up there. Yeah. yeah. And she, um, you know, we, she was like, okay, I feel like this is, we're all sort of dealing with how we situate ourselves in space and place. And, um, and, then, and then she turned it into this really great proposal that, that I think pretty much nailed it. Well, and we also, what I really appreciated in that process is being able to have back and forth about it, too. Yeah. So we'd hammer out a couple paragraphs and toss it back and forth and have a bit of a chat. And that's a luxury to me. Often, uh, I think when you're writing, particularly writing for the arts, it can be a bit of like a lonely activity. Yeah. <laughs> and to have a group of people that were collectively interested and invested in the success of that writing to know that it's a bit, it's a calling card for the show mm-hmm. um, and that this would be how we were presenting ourselves. Yeah. It, it really, for me to be able to have an editing process where we were all really participatory was exceptional. Mm-hmm. Very cool. And so then I didn't know was, this was a proposal. Uh, and so how did the South Main Gallery come into the picture then? Well, I just... Uh, recently had started a relationship with the South Main Gallery, which is a wonderful gallery that's on 6th and Main. Mm-hmm. And really cool space. Yeah, it's a yeah. beautiful, yeah. beautiful space. Um, they actually, you know, to, to their credit, they actually assessed uh, out a lot of people last year because they wanted to do this uh, show called The Summer 7, where they were bringing in new artists into their space to kind of energize the space and bring in, you know, people that are a little maybe outside what they've been doing. And so they're they're really interested in Don and Louisa, who uh, Don is the owner and Louisa is the the uh, she assists curating, and they are really interested in bringing new energy into that space. So they went on uh, they assessed me out, and they came and had a studio visit, and they decided to put my husband and I into a show last year, oh, and awesome. yeah, so um, yeah, it was really cool. And then uh, they have been very open to talking with their artists and developing strategies to bring people into their the gallery to uh to you know bring in work that is exciting and interesting and local uh but they are they also have uh people coming from like portland and california and things like that so they've been very it's been an amazing gallery experience it's not what i've heard you know necessarily is the norm so they're, they've been so interested in, or I think really they recognize that they're dealing with people who are engaged and, you know, in, in intelligent in the scene. Uh, <laughs> and so they are drawing upon those talents, which is, I think, what we should be doing to help, ev- you know, if everyone's working together, we're going to be so much more powerful and strong mm-hmm, and, totally. and, and developing the arts than if you uh you know it gets weird or competitive or whatever right so um yeah. i i really appreciate that about the south main gallery um and right now they're doing they actually have a call out for the summer seven the last day today I is think. it the last yeah, day okay so is. so that's that that's Get something for your artists out there <laughs> listening today that um they are accepting proposals for the summer seven show again um they have been 
really interested in showing new work, uh, un unusual work, mm -hmm. merging artists, and that's super cool. And I love that they're doing an open call. Like, yeah. I, that's yeah, really me too. Yeah. Absolutely. It takes more work, absolutely, mm -hmm. to call all of it. that ac yeah. activity and to have a look at the applications, but I think it also embraces a spirit of being welcome and open for surprises or people who are maybe underrepresented yeah. in the community. And I think that's a really bold move. It's really important. And for the gallery with their catalog, I mean, you can see the kind of artists they present, which so that when I found out about the call as well, I thought it was really cool that, you know, there is these ways to get into uh, like uh, larger gallery spaces. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, because that process can be incredibly intimidating. Oh, yeah. And often actually so uh, often speaking with a lot of artists you know how, when you ask them like how do you get into this gallery like <coughs> you know 95 percent of people say i don't know i just it's happened just met someone you know yeah. usually it's, it seems very at least uh it, from my perspective or people i've spoken to it seems very challenging to get into especially a prestigious gallery which you know makes sense it's logical there in the end they'll still have to be a business and they have to there's uh, their selection process and the ways they have to find people but but which is why this is once again really amazing that South Main is um, yeah doing an open call it's really cool There's it is really yeah. cool yeah mm -hmm. I I I, uh, I feel like it's a smart move on their part actually I, mm -hmm. I don't think it's just cool of them I think <laughs> it's actually a really yes. smart move <laughs> nice. because because um Main Street is you know it's uh, an area in the city that has a lot of creative interesting people um, smart people you know like every, every place <laughs> does but but there's you know the, the kind of clientele that's around there needs to have stimulation they're not not, not going to want to see the same things over and over again okay. like i think K kafka coffee house has yeah. done that in a lot really amazing because it's like mm -hmm. um you know they show they've been very uh supportive of the arts and and they've shown a lot of emerging artists very and, true yeah and yeah. i like that they stepped in because uh hot art what city unfortunately closed yeah and i mean i love that space so it's definitely a staple i mean the, yeah. the community that I I'm in I always see a lot of, or saw a lot of artists being represented there and so which is so yeah it's great that Kafka did kind of have a space close by that can still serve those means because it's been actually pretty hard finding uh, totally. art spaces for artists and especially yeah. in yes. Vancouver yeah I think it is a, a particular issue in Vancouver and that's why like having an open call or curating alternative spaces becomes very important oh yeah and I I, I expect to see a lot more of that the uh, pop-ups and yeah. uh, uh, yeah, artist-driven ev ev events along those lines. But uh, so you got to let me know. Though. So the proposal, <laughs> did you come to them? Because uh, the reason I, I'm asking mm -hmm. is th this is a hopefully would be a lesson for a lot of people yeah. that you finding alternative ways into getting into galleries. So you I mean, you've had a relationship with them, but you still have to bring a proposal to the gallery to try to get in. Well, so they did find me. Uh, they they were, you know, I was lucky enough that they came to find me um for the first show last year, but then they've been totally open. And, and yes, I was like, are you interested in hearing some proposals? Because, mm -hmm. you know, of course, that's one thing that I do do. I do create opportunities for myself um, and the people around me that I, um, that I really believe in. So, although like, I wouldn't have been able to do this proposal without all the other three artists. Um, you know, Amy, Amy is an exceptional writer and I'm not. Um, so, so, so she put together this, like we, we talked about the ideas, but she did make this, she wrote it out really, really well. And so, but you know, that's the thing is you have to find your tribe. Yeah. You have to put it together and then, and actually in a lot of ways you, you drop, like you drop off this 
product that's already <laughs> totally put together for somebody. I mean, in a lot, you know, if they're looking for something new, then it's like a huge gift to them because oh, yeah. they've got it all set up, and yeah. and that's what happened, right? So, um, they are kind and wise enough to to accept that, and we and we like hustle to do it, and that's like you know just you just just do the work, get it done. Very yeah. cool. And then so along those lines, because you have been showing uh, work, uh, I would say you're very quite experienced. So along those lines, do, would you have any other advice for people to try to, you know, whether to get into a gallery or try to show their work? Is there anything else that um, mm. comes to mind? You have to have great documentation. Oh, and that's tough. Ugh, yeah. yeah and I don't I d- like that part, but I, <laughs> I know it's important. No one does. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, in, unless they do, and that's special. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, I just think you have to have great documentation of your work. It has to be color accurate. Those are the big, like mm-hmm. the super basics. I think you do, if you're not excited about writing, because that's also, I have yet to see proposals that don't include some ask of writing or artist course, statement. Yeah. And so... I, I really believe in workshopping writing. Mm-hmm. Um, you need to know how your writing reads to someone else. Uh, yeah. um, so getting together with a group of artists, there, maybe there's four or five people, you share each other's artist statements, you talk about what's working and what isn't. And I think that act of workshopping makes it less threatening, but it also gives you a view on how your writing is being read by other people outside your own brain. Yeah. Because um, sentences that might make perfect sense to me in my mind, <laughs> when read out loud or read by somebody else, is just like, oh, th- that is that's not weird. my intention. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's weird. That's not my intention. <laughs> and so I really believe in in finding a group of people that you really trust and build a workshop um, where you can get together once a month, once every couple of months, and workshop writing for applications and proposals and just get used to doing it. Like <sighs> picking up on what you're saying, Tristas, with the idea of doing the work, like it's practice. Yeah. It is practice like the rest of your art practices. Just when you thought you got into art because you're going to paint a lot, huh? Oh, I know. I make a lot of art. <laughs> Go start writing. <laughs> I, I honestly, and I can genuinely say that, I think it's one of the toughest things to train yourself to do. But the difference between honing your writing and developing it as part of a craft is really can often be a difference maker for people when you're applying for grants or applying for proposals. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And it also shows that you've thought, and you mentioned this too, Teresa, that you've, you're thinking actively about your work. Mm-hmm. If you can contextualize it within contemporary art world through the language that you choose, the examples that you bring forward, the theory you're backing it up with, it doesn't mean that your work is conceptual or is theoretical, but you're bringing those ideas and building layers of meaning with your mm-hmm. work. One of my good friends who's an incredible inspiration to me natalie sinclair she's a mathematician she said to me about writing well actually i was like well i just want to make things that are beautiful (laughs) and she like every artist yeah well i don't i actually don't think like every artist wants to do that yeah i mean i think a lot of a lot of people that i have come up with uh you know that i went to school with are really interesting in conceptual art and Mm, it's not necessarily about beauty um, <clears throat> so at the time I said that she was like, well, that is an act, that is an intellectual idea. You can turn that into, you know, you know, of course there's a lot of r- writing about beauty and, mm-hmm. you know, it's like one of human, you know, it's one of our, our biggest, uh, ch- you know, it's something that we, we, we have always searched for in yeah, our most lives. Perceived subject, yeah. Right. Yeah. It's a, it's a, a subject that. So, you know, of course, yes, you can find a lot of writing about beauty, 
So for me, I was like, okay. So she was just basically forcing me to like go do the work, right? Because <laughs> yeah, yeah. a lot of a lot of times when I come up against things that I'm frustrated with, it's because I'm going to have to like uh, do the work, not avoid it, um, deal with myself, deal with my own like weaknesses, mm-hmm. <laughs> and that and that's hard. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's a good example of how um, you th- there there's a way to make any theme or any concept work is just a matter of i guess like really digging into it like you're saying if you yeah. just want to make beautiful work but there is a way to uh, approach it uh, I don't know, like from a conceptual perspective or you know try to uh, create like a mature aesthetic around and or you know plant it into art history you and find ways curious about it too yeah, like yeah. what kind of beauty what does yeah. that look like yeah. culturally how does that yeah, speak yeah exactly i i think there's the the gift of that moment when you're like okay I've got to do the work on this is also to get really excited about being curious mm-hmm. yes but I say that because <coughs> some people sometimes uh, often a challenge is like where do you start what do you do what do I like to paint or what do I like to create and they can be answered like pretty simple answers to just the things you enjoy and then it's just a matter of framing it I never uh, because I went to school for animation I never got any writing classes so I'm trying to catch up but to me, that's a it's a uh, something that I've been learning is that you can really work with any concept as for you, you do your research and then you mm-hmm. try to figure out. I also think that you can't be well. I mean, I don't think you can be great at everything. So <clears throat> you know, you yeah. have to get, cut yourself some slack. So that's what's great about setting up a tribe of people around you is that you do draw on other people's strengths. And Absolutely. I think there's been a movement lately that has been very uh, community centered where the arts community in Vancouver, especially because that's really the only one that I know intimately is that there's a lot more support of each other. That when you, when you see something that's that that somebody else is making, that's great. And you want to learn from them. You want to support them instead of feeling that, you know, jealousy or whatever, you Mm -hmm. know, like, and, and when you, when you start with that, and you learn from people around you, then you're going to move forward a lot faster. And mm. in a lot of ways, it is taking your ego out of it, mm-hmm. like, yep. uh, which is like, okay, this is about the learning. This is about being curious. Um, it's about working hard. Yeah. And staying on your track, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think part of it too, and, and Tristas, you and I have talked about this, is the idea of, um, I think there's a myth around the idea of scarcity of opportunities, that there's only like a number of opportunities, there's few you have to compete with everyone or else you won't succeed. Mm-hmm. And I think there's also a way to just address that by saying, I don't actually buy into the idea of scarcity of opportunity. Mm-hmm. Part of that's about being open-minded about creating chances and ways and methods of showing work and sharing work. But I just don't buy that anymore. Um, I think it was something that was really intact when I was first in school doing my undergrad and that it would be like, oh, there's only so many grants for people and there's only so many ways you can share and show your work. But we have totally blown that wide open. I love that you say that. That's very optimistic. (laughs) (laughs) Well, like Amy, um, when you say that though, uh, like in in your experience, how have you um, done that? How have you done that? So I, for me, one thing that comes to mind immediately, I've had the opportunity to do quite a few artist residencies, but there have also been opportunities where I wanted to do things where there was no structure. Mm-hmm. And so I've approached people 
um, not dissimilar to how you brought our proposal to South Maine. Yeah. And I've said, I re I'm really interested in your training program. I want to build an artist residency with you. Mm -hmm. This is what the program would look like. Are you in? Yeah. And you have the opportunity at that moment. There's no love lost in that. Like if someone says no, you're like, great. Same place that I was two days ago. <laughs> um, but some really interesting things have come out of that. I, would, I was able to work with a group um, in the east coast of Canada that does survival training. Um, and oh, they, yeah. they don't <laughs> normally. <laughs> wow. That's, That's a good cool project. It's so cool. Yeah. Uh, so they, they brought me through the same kind of training that they do with Coast Guards, Navy SEALs. It's very extreme, <laughs> super physical, open ocean training. But they had never worked with an artist before. And so we both got to win out of that. Wow. Yeah, it was a really, and so I think that there are moments like that where if a person were content with the structure that exists, they'd say, oh, well, they don't accept artists. That's not an opportunity for me, but I also s really believe in trailblazing. You're just a go-getter. <laughs> that's well, what people got to learn. I think that that's true, though. I think <laughs> that there's must, a lot yeah. of yeah. I think yeah. especially if you're you don't have gallery representation and you haven't had a show, then you're gonna have to um, brainstorm. Like you can, there's spaces that you can rent and you can have a show with other people. Um, yeah. Then it's about publicity and letting people know that it's happening. And I don't think talking about your work and being supportive of yourself is a as you have to be, do that it's not being egotistical it's just it's just important this is what yeah. i'm doing and i think you have a right to play your cards that you're here for a short time <laughs> you know you gotta you gotta if you're really interested in doing this you gotta throw yourself out there it's like scary as you know, it's scary. Yeah, get out. yeah it's yeah. really. <laughs> oh, it is scary. For sure. But yeah. it's also just like, yeah, I think that if there's a message about doing that and getting involved and and having a show, if that's your that's your goal, then you've got to just make that happen. And uh, and then things do start to happen. It's like every action has has. Uh, you know, it, it, it affects the next action mm -hmm. that'll happen for you and and. Uh, if, mm -hmm. if you're listening, I hope you're writing this down. <laughs> There's so much good information coming yeah. out. It's amazing. Yeah. And well, oh, thanks, yeah. If I can just tag yeah. on to that, too, I think the idea of starting rather than thinking like, oh, I have to have a solo show. I have to put my own work by itself out there. Yeah. Building on the idea of group shows, yeah, collectives, good. having it and building a network of mm -hmm. people around you is how so much of what the art world decides and pursues gets made. That idea of like building group, building community, building your network, looking at events as opportunities to meet people where you can expand and extend your reach. And I think there's a, a way of doing that without it feeling like slimy business card trading. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and again, a lot of that falls back to curiosity. When I meet people, I want to know what they do. I want to know what they're interested in. And then if there's an opportunity to talk about our own work or, or how we could integrate into that community or complement that community, mm -hmm building that bridge is really brilliant <coughs> but uh, also what's really cool or what strikes me is that both of you also have uh, great confidence which uh, as an artist I, I can see how some people can struggle with that because you you know you're talking about whether being a go-getter or um, we we're both just making faces yeah. uh, I don't like, know if it's <laughs> confidence okay well it, it is there it seems like you believe in your work a lot and not only it's admirable but I can see how that paired up with the you know want to get your art out there very great combination and actually what you were talking about um last week as well which i think we should touch on is how once you build that tribe or the community that it keeps uh, stressing on is that then you start passing around opportunities because not everyone can take on everything but 
uh, as we yes. mentioned before it feels so good to yes. not be able to do something but then you can give it to your friend who's the totally. next studio next door yeah. yeah yeah i had that happen to me actually in march i was <laughs> it didn't actually end up happening for the person that i offered <laughs> it to but um <clears throat> you know i I have a, a number of artists in town that I uh, kind of crush on in a way because I don't really know them very well, but I like like what they're doing or, you know, I'm watching what they're up to, you know, because I, I, I admire them. I think they're talented. And so there's a few of them around town that I, I do that with that I don't know. But um, I was offered a job or asked to, you know, to put in a proposal for a job and, and uh, I didn't. I didn't, I couldn't do it at the, the moment. So then I just passed it off to like three possible people that I thought I know are hardworking, I know could do the job. And uh, yeah, and actually, you know, the more that happens, <clears throat> I think that's the way, that's the way I'm gonna function in this community is that if I can't do something, then I always, you know, whenever I bring clients into the arts factory, I, w I show them my work, but then mm -hmm. I walk them around and show them the work of the artists that are in there because what I ultimately believe is that when people want to purchase a piece of art they're looking for a piece of art for their specific situation whether it's a business or uh, their home or they're trying to style you know an apartment or I don't know whatever it is mm -hmm. or are curating that if they don't like my work then there, there's no way that I'm going to be able to change that or, you know, if I'm hiding other people's work from them, <laughs> I'm not going to make them like yeah, my work yeah. more. <laughs> so the work has to speak for itself. And that's just like a simple fact. If you need, and if you can just deal with that, um, if people don't like it, that's okay. Uh, so whenever somebody comes in that is interested, that is in the position where they can buy something or make, you know, an art, you know, support the arts, then I take them around to my studio mates and say, look at this amazing stuff. Like she's doing this and he's doing that. And um, and I do that a lot. I do that with every person that comes through because if the opportunity doesn't come to me because they don't find the right fit, that's okay. You know, um, they may find somebody else in the studio to be like what they're looking for. And, the, and it ultimately that is good for everybody i mm -hmm. think right mm -hmm. yeah. so i totally try to do that with the people that i'm around i also yeah. feel very proud that i know those people it's like you're walking around yeah. and showing girls work oh yeah i'm friends with this guy yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm friends with them yeah <laughs> totally yeah like yeah i've had a chance to talk to them about their work and they do amazing <laughs> stuff and yeah you know it's really cool yeah, yeah because you re you recognize like i did the mural festival last year yeah. which was amazing for me because um I'd never worked that big before and it was uh you know a huge learning curve so it's of course that's exciting right but then being around all those people and getting a chance to talk to them and uh and watch them work was really cool that's why i like the larger medium and the outside uh projects as well for that reason you, you end up communicating so much more as you as you talked before the studio can be a lonely pursuit whether it's writing or creating work so mm. there's something about that um speaking of installations uh will you be doing something for this show f or uh, uh, because so you've done some uh, both of you actually done some murals installations before is there uh, just curious is there going to be something happening this time not for soma but i am working on a set of Ooh. small <laughs> sculptures and miniatures for an upcoming exhibition out in maple ridge when is that going to be um it'll open up on june 23rd 
There you go. There yeah. you go. You gotta, so you Where is that, Amy? Yeah. Um, ACT is in Maple Ridge. So it's just off of, they have a really amazing cultural community center that incorporates theater, dance, uh, visual arts, performing arts, all in one center. So if you go into Maple Ridge's town center, um, mm -hmm. ACT is right there. Nice. Yeah. There you go. So proactive. Yeah. <laughs> if, if you're there, check it out. Okay. Well, because I have you here, I, I have to ask these questions and I'm, because both of you are in like your educators, you're both teachers. And I think, uh, well, I don't know, probably rare to get the perspective of an artist and I'm, like from your side, but uh, what I was curious about, um, let me see. Uh, well, actually first let's start. How do you think uh, teaching overall has helped you create your art? Mm. Do you want? I well, <laughs> I, I've thought about this a lot. Yeah. Um, so I, I teach high school students. So it's actually a, an amazing age because there's so much potential there and there's so much talent. Like I think yeah. as, uh, as adults, we often really undermine or not, or under, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like kids, kids come out with so much and they're so smart and so talented and we really have to give them opportunities uh, to, to mm -hmm. show that. Um, so for me, what's cool about how, how teaching affects my art practice is that I have to constantly do different things, um, expose myself to different mediums that I'm not using. I'm uh, uh, looking at the basics. So it's like if you're an athlete, you have to, or say you're a dancer, you have to do your plies and your tendus and you have to practice all the basics almost every day in order to practice. And so in a way, it constantly gets me to do that. Yeah. And then I'm pushed into mediums that I don't always use in my own practice or you know, all the time I'm trying new things in teaching. Um, and then I throw it out to 110 kids every, <laughs> nice. every day I teach and mm. I'm getting back all these answers. So it's like a lab. Wow. Yeah. So, uh, s and I'm always telling them I'm learning so much more from you than you ever learned from me <laughs> because I'm getting back all this response and, and I'm paying attention. Mm -hmm. And yeah. so I, I tell them about that too. I say, Look at, you know, the guy beside you. Is he making a mistake? Well, wh what's wh why is it a mistake? Like, analyze the mistakes. If somebody else is making a mistake around you, that's them giving you a gift because then mm -hmm. you're able to, like, um, yeah. learn not to do that, right? So I, I just think teaching is a great way to learn about art because you're, you're getting a chance to work with a bright people, bright mm -hmm. minds, mm -hmm. creative people. And and um, and then you're pushing yourself in areas that you don't normally you're not comfortable in or don't mm -hmm. normally work in all the time. And so th I think that's been great for me. Yeah, I think I also see it as a as a real gift. I've taken time away from teaching uh, over the past year, and it's something that I've actually been really excited to come back into. Oh, nice. Yeah, it just, it it feeds my brain in a way that is tough to find otherwise. It's very challenging for mm -hmm. me, so a lot of what happens in teaching process, so I'll often be teaching traditional printmaking methods or screen printing. I've also had the opportunity to work with fourth-year students who are getting ready to launch themselves out into the larger world. Oh. And then working with grad students as well. So they're at a point where they're really developing their professional careers. And the thing that constantly, regardless of what level the student is at, is that they are asking really exciting questions. If they're <laughs> at school, mm -hmm. the chances are they're invested in being there. And to be able to work with people who are super curious about the medium and who are asking the why questions mm -hmm 
constantly. The hard ones. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think like that dialogue is really rich and that feeds me in a way that I haven't been able to find another way to do. And like also, a part of it, too, is just like sharing passion and excitement oh, for yeah. the field, like being able to introduce new artists to students who maybe have only had a very specific canon as they've been growing up. And to be able to also say like, okay, what are my student demographics? Like if I've got 70% women students, traditionally the art canon that they're looking at is going to actually be 70 to 80% men, if not more so. Mm -hmm. How do we flip that? Yes. How do we get the students to look at uh, more marginalized artists that are underrepresented? Because mm -hmm. that's also, I think, part of the job of teaching is to be mm -hmm. able to look at what you're offering as an expansion rather than something that just kind of continues to plow the furrow deeper that, that's you mean awesome. in terms of like introducing <laughs> them to new work yeah yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah but it's awesome that you're consciously doing that that it's very important and it's probably easy to even forget to yeah, check in those things there must be so many so many aspects to think about what would you um uh, i want to ask you what would you say would you say generally when artists graduate would you say they're prepared for the real world <laughs> um so I'm, I'm going to be really, really honest Please, about this. Yeah, <laughs> Part of w how I teach and what I teach is a response to that because I don't think a lot of artists mm -hmm. are particularly well prepared. I wasn't. Yeah, and I didn't feel that I was for many aspects of my career. I was incredibly well prepared to be a super proficient, technically well-versed printmaker. Mm -hmm. um, but in terms of uh, like applying for grants, how to promote work that I'm making, how to make connections in the community, and I would ask questions too. Like mm -hmm. I'd be like, how did you make this, all this yeah, happen? Yeah, yeah. And often the answers would be really elusive. And I think part of that's buying into the myth of scarcity of opportunity. And I just don't believe in safeguarding that knowledge. Mm -hmm. Like if I know how to write a grant proposal and I can save somebody else from having to do all of the mistakes and the learning that I had to go through to build an understanding of that system, I want to get them on the fast track for that. I just, <coughs> I really right. believe yeah. in that as a part of the pedagogical approach that I take is that you should leave school with a toolkit that is not just about making your work, but being able to put yourself out into the art world successfully to promote what you do and to consider making really well-informed choices. Mm -hmm. Do I want to pursue a commercial career? Is that not something I'm interested in? Yeah. But you can't make those choices if you have no idea what or, either of those fields or offer. Or how do you bridge both? Yes. Oh, yeah. See, that's I think that's that's a super interesting conversation that's always on the go yeah. too. Yeah. Um, is that I think when you're in academia at art academia, it's very conceptual. There's kind of a, a streamline towards conceptual galleries and that type of. Mm -hmm. Well, Emily Carr was like that for me, anyways. That that is that was what was happening. Mm -hmm. Kind of get into that that group of that. That's where you would group yourself. Mm -hmm. And then what if you start to sell work? You yeah. know, and just and then having conversations about how how do you do both, right? Oh, yeah. Or if you want to do both, or how do, how can you place yourself in a structure? And sometimes you have to develop that own your own structure, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. There, uh, um, there was a piece of information that I w I read that Elizabeth Gilbert had in her book um, Big Magic, which uh, is an easy book to read, and there's lots of good tips in there. But um, one of them was, um that she, she believes that you shouldn't ask your creativity to pay your bills. <laughs> and you know, that's interesting. So, yeah. So, so, and the reason why she does that is that as soon as you ask your creativity to pay your bills, then your creativity is going to change so that it 
you're, you're going to be creating work so that um, people will buy it, mm. and that changes maybe your your flow. But I, I so I I think that there's no one answer to the question of where you know how what do you do when you get out of school or where do you go? But yeah, and and I think it's um, a complex issue. But um, you know, for me that helped me because I was like, you know what. I'm going, I pay my bills by teaching right now. I have sold work and mm -hmm. I've done pretty well with it actually. But, um, but I, it's good for me personally as an artist to not expect that my work is going to pay the bills because as soon as I do that, I just feel stressed about it. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I, and, and really it functions in my life in a way that it, it is an intellectual and creative experience for me. That's healthy for me. That's what makes me happy. And so I've had to figure that out for myself where, um, and I think that's something that everyone has to kind of like grapple with a little bit and, and continually grapple with because it changes. Yeah. yeah. And I see how that I wish there was a course or something talked about that specifically. I think even, you know, I work full time and I try to pursue yeah. whether it's illustration or fine art during my free time as well. And it feels like it doesn't feel like it's a norm at least. How do you, how do I say it? Because maybe because it's not talked about as a preferred lifestyle enough, it feels like it's kind of black and white. You either do fine art or you do commercial work, and yeah, but I don't believe that. Neither do I. But yeah. when it's not either spoken about as a norm, but it's spoken like at a transitional point, for example, it uh, yeah, it just seems like whether that's education or that dialogue is missing. And once again, I didn't go to uh, um, I didn't go to like a fine art fine art school, or, or I can see. So I was was not exposed to that at all. My education was very much commercial. <coughs> but when you're speaking about, and this is why I asked that our students, are they prepared for the real world? These kind of lifestyles or even ways of being an artist, it seems like they're not discussed. And this is something that I've spoken with many uh, artists that I know, especially coming out of school. And, mm -hmm, you know, the, mm -hmm. the general consensus seems to be, I don't know what I'm doing. What, uh, and I mean, part of that, too, is I don't. I don't know, building on what you're saying, Tristess, of there not being one way, I don't know if there's a course that could offer answers yeah. for everyone. <laughs> um, because you do, I think you have to put in the hard work, you have to put in the hours, you need to make choices, and sometimes you need to make sacrifices. Mm -hmm. um, as Tristess and I were walking here, I was like, I don't know if I'm like a great friend all the time because <laughs> I, I generally, I prioritize studio and sometimes like that, that means I can't be as available socially. Um, and so it's also learning about what you are willing and unwilling to sacrifice mm -hmm. and to prioritize. And sometimes I think that choice is also about, uh, do I feel like I need to, to suffer for my work? Do I need <laughs> to, um, oh, yeah rely so heavily on the sale of my work that I'm unwilling to entertain mm -hmm. any other kind of employment. And for me, I get so much out of the process of teaching that for me, I see it as win-win. As but I think there are lots of ways of building that day or building a structure for yourself that is complementary to what you want to accomplish with your creative career as well. Mm -hmm. Maybe you're saying if it's impossible to teach every way of uh, you know making a living while being an artist which that's a huge topic on its own. Maybe it's just about being exposed to people who are doing it. Yeah, having uh, some models and mentors. Yes. Exactly. I think that's probably yes. would be the ideal way because when you, once again, when people come out of school and it's like, well, what my, can my life even be? What does it look like? I yeah. think that just shows that you just didn't see 
those hundreds of artists that are in your city you just don't know because they're that like, are doing in it. studios yeah you know actually i just was having a great conversation with this young talented young man uh that is friends with my brother's uh daughter so he's 20 <laughs> i think he's about 23 anyways he was talking because he's interested in starting his own business or he has started his own business with mm -hmm. two of his friends and they're talented and um and i said so he was saying you know he seems like the kind of person that's quite quiet and and um you know more uh, a person who observes the world mm -hmm. and i said you know the best thing that I've experienced in my life uh, personally is that you need to look at the people who are doing the stuff that you're interested in mm -hmm. and watch their trajectory and mm -hmm. study it like crazy, you know, find every information, you know, all information about what they did. Um, and I was listening to this podcast about mentorship and I forget what it was, but um, one of they were talking, I think it was hurry slowly, but um, they were talking about that mentorship isn't like you know you you go into a firm and you watch somebody it's more like um you know maybe you go and work for free for somebody that you're interested in working with you know like maybe you um you know like this one guy was talking about the fact that he was somebody's um assistant and a writer's assistant and he just watched his daily practice and he worked for free but he's like if you think about it that you're working with somebody that you think is amazing and they have all these talents and they're doing and you're getting to observe them just in their daily life so you see when they sit down to work mm -hmm. when they make their calls um, how it functions on a daily basis you can't pay for that type of mm -hmm. uh, knowledge right so so in a lot of ways I I think there's so much information out there like it you know I constantly am looking for myself. I, I constantly look to all types of artists. So I just listened to this amazing conversation with Jack White and Conan O'Brien <laughs> online about, you know, their process. One's mm -hmm. a comedian, one's a, um, a rock star, but yeah. they, but just like the way that they've, they're both super hardworking people and what, how they deal with creative decisions. And just like, so I, I've, I am constantly looking for creative people are discussing their process on a day-to-day mm -hmm. -day basis you yeah. know mm -hmm. and yeah you, you have to be yeah hard working for sure i guess when you get to that level yeah i don't uh, think that's a negotiable no, no like I, just, I just yeah, don't especially <laughs> in this particular or area in fact you have to be extra hard working especially yeah. if it's you know you don't have eight hours a day to put into the craft you better be very smart with your hours and i'm sure you can relate to that yeah, yeah. well yeah. I, I i like the idea that people set time every day or five times a week to do the thing that they're going to do, you know, like whatever it is that they're working on. So if it's music or, you know, filmmaking or visual art or whatever, you know, you just, you go and sit in your space and you tinker away. Right. And <laughs> yeah. then, and then, you know, just, you can't help it, but stuff starts to happen. Totally. It's magic like that. <laughs> what <Yeah. are> you <laughs> I, I wanted to ask, what would, um, are there any obstacles that you run into as a teacher? When In what way? <laughs> oh, that, well, so, so yeah, many. However, <laughs> I want, but once again, I, I don't think we generally, yeah, as an art, as artists, or I don't know, like as students, you, you, want, you seem to get just one side, you know what I mean? So I hope this is a good opportunity to hear from the teachers and uh, if they're like what, maybe the way our society faces it or yeah i mean you let me know 
I can I can maybe start um, with a couple of examples. Um, sometimes attitude is an obstacle, mm-hmm. um, and so <laughs> part of no way, Amy, shut up. <laughs> Come on, it's artist. No attitude. Um, in a way, I see some of my job uh, when I'm teaching as unpeeling what appears from the outside to be very sound (laughs) opinions. Um, And I think part of that is also just, it's what we were talking about a while ago, that idea of training yourself to look sideways. Mm -hmm. So if you're only making work that you know the intention of, you know the destination of, you know exactly how it's going to look, it's finished before you engage with the process. Um, and so one of the challenges that I see with teaching a lot or the, the boundaries that we push up against is just how to build an open attitude mm-hmm. um, and how to pay attention and how to look, yeah. <laughs> to look very closely. I think closely. we're all struggling with those. Oh, yeah, yeah. So. absolutely. That's life syllabus yeah. stuff totally. for me, too. Um, the other thing, uh, just to be like very pragmatic about some of this, I find class size challenging. Mm. Um, part of that is to do with enrollment and institutional agenda, but it's really hard to have great, meaningful time uh, to chat with students, especially if we're getting into some of the, the later years mm-hmm. in their education. Um, I want to sit down and have a meaty chat and get to know them and their work. And it's hard when you're dealing with 20 students yeah. and a very limited yeah. amount of time. Yeah, have you compared it to any other education systems outside of Canada? Oh, there's so many models. Yeah. Um, there's, uh, not to get too specific or, or in the weeds with it, but I think there are ways of dealing with classroom dynamics where um, particularly European models uh, for schooling are a little bit less hands-off in terms of classroom attendance. Mm-hmm. And the interaction between mentor and mentee is prioritized. So it's more studio visits. It's much more self-initiated by the artists or students themselves. They seek out mentors. They seek out people that they want to bring into their studio. And I actually think that's a very interesting Mm -hmm. model that encourages people to be much more self-reliant. That's cool. Mm -hmm. What about you, Tristess? Oh, well, as a, I think Amy and I have a quite a different experience as teachers because she teaches in post-secondary and I teach in high school. But in high school, the thing that is most frustrating for me is that kids move from, you know, young adults move from, in, in my particular situation, they move from, uh, you know, math to biology to English to art. Mm-hmm. And then it rotates yeah. around. And then one day they're, they're talking about you know f- physics and then they move into math and then they move into you know um the outside or not the outside is a great eight book but you know they're, then they're talking about literature and then i get them and and they're exhausted their brains have been <laughs> jumping around all day and then the next day they do four different subjects and it's great because they're getting this uh, you know they're getting a whole education they're getting the holistic education and there's so much good work that's being done but I also think that that structure is difficult for them and difficult for me because if I look at my workflow and the way that I work best when I'm on my own or working with one or two people, um, I come in, uh, it takes me like 45 minutes to set up and get ready. Mm-hmm. And then I work for like four hours mm-hmm. and then I take a break or whatever, you know, yeah. but it's like this longer um timetable and I think for me the challenge right now in high school is that we have kids 
in like hour, hour and 15 minute blocks, jumping from one intellectual pursuit to another creative pursuit to athletics. And, and it's great. All of these things are, I think there's great things happening in each of those subject areas, but the, I think the bouncing around is challenging and you mm. often see children or and adults just feeling totally burnt out That's mm-hmm. very or, or they just yeah. shut down. Like, you know how you are, if you're listening to, uh, if you're, if you go to see a speaker talk, um, you kind of can pick up like maybe five things from them and then you start to just like zone out and start thinking about your, your day or what (laughs) you need to do. And, and so I think in a lot of ways we bombard students in our education system. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I feel like that's my big, biggest, biggest obstacle. Mm. So, and the other thing about teaching is that it's a performance and um takes energy and at and and i work so i in my in my work life as a teacher i do four classes in a row so on the fourth class i'm not as good as i was Mm -hmm. you know so i think um learning how to dole out my energy more evenly is a good idea and allowing students to have space so i don't know like most often like my the 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 kids that are coming into my school are amazing um i find them you know, in general, I don't like to generalize because they're all so different, but, you know, kids that are even struggling or not really interested in my subject area, like, they're cool people. And, <laughs> they, you know, I'm, I feel pretty blessed to be in the job that I have, but, uh, and to be working with so many amazing uh, educators. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's not perfect and it, it never will be. Oh, yeah. I think yeah, that's, course. I think yeah. that we're, I think in, in high school education, that goal is to continue to try to make it better, yeah, yeah. but that it, it never can be like this perfect situation because you're dealing with so many different aspects of like personalities, institutions, um, you know, abilities mm-hmm. uh, uh, and and people. So it's like a huge ship that you're moving in, you're working within. So that's, that's I would say, you know, like that's always mm-hmm. going to be the obstacle. But do you find, is there enough value being placed in art at that level because you're you know you're talking about all these subjects and but mm-hmm. is art yeah is oh, it i think it's like the best subject ever but what i'm saying like <laughs> uh let's say you know in the in the school like in high school system do you feel like does it have a equal stand with oh. all those subjects that's what i mean oh Oof. that's, a, that's <laughs> political oh, yeah, um but course. no yeah. it isn't like so when i was when i was hired as a art teacher i you know graduated from emily carr and i was hired and um i was bumped out of my job by somebody who was in business education um and and then the dean at the time ingrid koenig of emily carr wrote because i was teaching her son she wrote a letter to the school board and said you're undermining arts education because you're hiring somebody to teach art that isn't educated in art and mm-hmm. and that was a huge you know i was like well, that's so true yeah. like yeah. i wasn't gonna get you know bumped out of my position and placed in math yeah <laughs> or yeah, and that's the yeah. that reverse logic it would never sense, yeah. apply no and so and so at that point i really realized that this is a political arena like mm-hmm. so i've one of my major goals in, in teaching has always been to educate students about how they consume art all the time and art makes their lives better like as music you know film video games you know people use these things and it in it you know music Mm -hmm. like can you imagine your life without music yeah can you imagine your life without um a piece of art that 
<laughs> changed it in some mm-hmm. way that you saw and you realized that there was potential in the world that you know it just it, these things expand you know art always expands our universe makes us think outside of ourselves connects us to other people totally. it's like all these super super important um relationship building qualities to art that connect us to our to connect us to our humanity and so i try to teach my students to acknowledge the fact that these things are important and they're mm-hmm. valuable but they're also kind of like air what we just assume that they're <laughs> just there right take it for mm-hmm. granted yeah, exactly. that's why i was asking it even just the the idea of teaching creative thinking because you know clearly not everyone's going to be an artist uh, you yeah. know pursue it. i understand mm-hmm. that but whether i don't know if design thinking can be taught um as early or just like uh, you know putting seeds of what design thinking is or creative thinking because that's incredibly valuable you know in in any field no matter what it is and i've been thinking about this more you know it's a different conversation but as ai's and you know robotics and computers are gonna be eventually you know slowly but surely taking over what they can't replicate is or won't be able to like the last thing that'll be replicated is creative thinking or creativity because that's like the hardest thing to harness um for you know through like for ai they can you know if they, mm-hmm. you tell them to make a box they can make a box but Amy, this seems to be up your alley <laughs> yeah oh yeah we're talking about what your theme <laughs> artwork theme but is the, this is the kind of stuff i think about you know when uh, yeah when you're speaking about art or creativity in general like the well, value of it is going to be more and more if uh, yeah. yeah i mean that's so that whole that is a super <laughs> interesting a topic, topic. Yeah. like um <laughs> we were talking about the ethics of of that like Programmers are programming into, you know, cars that drive themselves. Like if you are going to hit something, you know, and you have the choice between, and this is programmed into the car, the the choice between a tree, a kid and an old person or a black person, like those kind of ethics are being programmed into, you know, like it's super interesting. Like that fascinating, that whole, Mm. yeah, going down that route, like (laughs) what it means to be a creative thinker like and how you might put that into a machine mm-hmm. and morals and philosophy and all that it's just like yeah wow that's yeah. A huge and i think it's getting away from us i mean we <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> we, sorry <laughs> no no um, like uh, that that field overall like the ethics of it are a little falling behind it seems like because everything else is advancing so quickly but i mean that's mm-hmm. that is off topic for us <laughs> yeah it is okay <laughs> <laughs> no, I, was, I, I love all this stuff it's really fascinating it, it is yeah. uh, i don't know if i if you had anything to add or you're oh i was just thinking about um like bringing it back to the idea of of education and mm-hmm. and how you're uh, how we uh, are operating within a structure uh, when you're teaching that prizes or values um, answers and deliverables mm-hmm. and I think that's part of the language uh, yes. that's built yeah. into how education functions um, even how I apply for teaching jobs has shifted and changed over the last ten years because. A hiring panel wants to know um, if I'm talking to them about my research. Um, It's framed within the language of science as opposed to art, where Mm. it's like, what is your studio practice like? They want to know what my research plan is. Mm -hmm. And and I think there's some of those, um, it, it sort of takes our conversation a bit meta, but if we could shift the paradigm of that from looking solely as education as a way to build a path towards deliverables, if we could flip that and say that education is a way to build skills for curiosity. For me, that would be a much more... 
<laughs> exciting way to look at things. And that's, I think, also why art sometimes is not valued at the same level as, say, going to biology class or, mm -hmm. or taking your physics because it is a field of curiosity and so you cannot guarantee deliverables yeah and this is why it's hard to uh, to prove that it is tangible because you know the, like you said people want to see results so yeah. in that in that area it's very hard to kind of take it to the end and say like oh here's exactly where you're going to get because that's unfortunately that's not how it works but yeah. also fortunately like it, it, you're going to get really unexpected uh, results and the outcomes of education i guess in that way but i i I've, i read an article about how a lot of post-secondary institutions or or businesses were saying that you know i'm getting these people graduated from post-secondary institutions that can't think outside the box that yeah. aren't able to problem solve mm -hmm. and and i think art is all about doing that i think i think um so th what the the businesses and um you know people who are hiring <laughs> people for jobs uh, is are saying to post-secondary institutions like we need you to give real life problems and that there isn't mm -hmm. an outcome at the end of it you know get people to yeah. practice that and i think art is great for that because it's like yeah you're sort of trying to figure out what you are trying to do you know uh, often or you you'll give criteria and then you're trying to get there and uh the, the process of getting there is like where it gets juicy totally <laughs> right and Absolutely. um and I think that's th there's a I think if you can do arts, the art you know visual art or any type of art education, in in conjunction with science, there's so many similarities. And I think people who are working at the uh, the, the the kind of top end of these you know working on big problems, they see these connections all the time. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and the process of thinking and and when you're at a younger level or when you're at a, a more rudimentary level you don't see those connections all the time and i think th maybe those big ideas need to be introduced early so yeah. these are mm -hmm. the exciting things you know well in those silos i think of like saying oh art is over here yeah. and That's math is over here it, it is and it benefits the institution it never benefits the student it rarely benefits the educator or the teacher mm -hmm. And I think the areas where we can see more cross-pollination are super exciting. Yeah. This is such a huge topic. I, I feel like you could just yeah. get, I mean, go for hours. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just no, it's, think, yeah. It's so exciting. It is. But um, it's difficult. Yeah. It yeah no, I've, I've been interested in uh, connecting art to sciences and particularly math. Uh, and math, uh, you know, just full disclosure, I am terrible at math in a lot of ways, <laughs> but um, I like thinking about big ideas. Mm -hmm. And so if you bring somebody, like uh, what I do is I have tried to work with people who really know a lot about math and uh, and then we meet and, and that's when magic nice. happens. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and actually, I think it's good as an educator to show your students that you don't know all the answers, that you're facilita facilitating like the thinking around it um, that um, that we're going to try to work to yeah. towards this because yeah. I've had kids in my class that they just, you know, they'll have some passion in an, a subject area and they know so much more than me. <laughs> and that often happens with computers yeah. and they bring so much to the, the table and you just let them do that. Yeah. Cool. All right. Let's bring it back to okay. you. I feel like we dove, okay, dove sorry. pretty deep into it. No, no, <laughs> yeah. no. But uh, I, I want to, let's, uh, no, that was really fascinating but uh, i think we got to learn about m you a lot more <laughs> as well so i uh yeah the way i always mention this the way i do this i write down a bunch of questions and how the conversation is going to go and it always ends up being better than what i planned <laughs> but I'll, I'll bring it back a little bit so one thing i wanted to know and uh, it's uh well often like it, 
interesting uh, answers come out of this question is uh, when did you feel like you're a professional artist? Mm. I think I'm that is we brought up the idea of life syllabus before I think that's like constantly in progress Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) just to be I know that's a bit of an elusive answer but um, part of it is also understanding that professionalism doesn't just magically happen one day Mm -hmm. where you're like oh I got this grant or I had this (laughs) show and that certainly helps to build confidence towards professionalism but that's something that for me is never I don't ever feel like that's complete that's very surprising to me you seem very professional I thank you (laughs) she is I'll take that as a compliment um yeah I just I don't know if there's uh I think if there were only one end goal if it was like okay professionalism would Mm. mean this that you'd also have to, for me, I would have to answer the question of like, if I achieve that, what next? Yeah, yeah, yeah. okay, I can s- yeah, I see that. Um, I mean, there's, I've had some wonderful opportunities that I think have helped me build an understanding of professionalism and a lot of learning. I feel like I'm at a moment, maybe um, now more than in the past, I do feel like I've got a good toolkit for a lot of the scenarios that I'm encountering. The other thing that I think is maybe a nice marker of professionalism is that I don't pull all-nighters anymore. Nice. Yeah. That you're watching your health, (laughs) taking that into consideration. There's just a little bit of balance in there. Yeah, like not not stressing myself out or pushing my schedule to the point of where it is not sustainable or tenable. Good lesson. Yeah, I don't know. I was just listening to Amy's answer is a very good one. So I would agree with that answer. But I also think like the Canada Council looks at, you know, you, you sometimes you have to look at what um, our our peers, our um, professionals in the arts community are saying. So mm-hmm. one of the things they say is that I think you have to have three shows, uh, art shows within a three year period. Yeah, that are uh, peer juried. To you, peer so it has juried, to be something yeah. that you've applied for mm-hmm. and received um, an acceptance. Yeah, letter. so the, like, getting a nod of approval from yeah, the yeah. community. Well, you're vetted. Yeah through uh, yeah, the, the uh, professionals around you. And I think that's very important too, in, in a way, because it's a valuing that people who are educated and working in those fields. So have you already done that? Uh, have I yeah. reached that point? I don't know if I've been in peer evaluated. I'm not sure if I have been. Um, Gotta I, find out if you're professional. You know what, I actually, <laughs> I feel like I've done a lot of my own, you know, I've created a lot of my own opportunities and then I've had people come and find me in the business community and which is which is interesting so that's like you know i've had success with the business community and maybe not so much with the like conceptual artist community Mm -hmm. right and um and that's okay like Mm. i i actually think that i am a professional artist at this point um, if you asked me that like three years ago, I probably would have said, mm, interesting. And you know, I think there's, I think that th- that's a, you know, I came, I started a bit later in terms of like really pursuing it actively in my life because I've been a teacher. And, um, so yeah, so for me, I've had a bit of a different trajectory than somebody who came right out of art school and just went for it. Like I just couldn't afford to do it mm-hmm. when I came out of art school. Like there's no way I could have done that. Mm-hmm. Um, And so I've kind of, you know, like my path has been a lot more squiggly line than straight, which I think is common for a lot of people. But yeah, Mm -hmm. I would say now I'm a professional artist. Very cool. It's good to hear. (laughs) 
It's it sucks because we're uh, out of time. <laughs> almost, but you know, the, the, it's like I'm, maybe we could have done like a you know four podcast. Maybe get no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, too much too much to talk about. I know you got to paint, so let me. Uh, I guess I'll uh, throw a couple of questions at you before we uh, have to wrap it up because I really want to talk about the business of art. But I think we touched a bit on that. I think we. I think we. This is very uh, turned out to be very well rounded by you initiating these conversations. It was cool. Uh, so let's uh, let me grab uh, a couple of different ones. Um, let's see. Any? Uh, what's the biggest failures? Biggest oh. failure. <sighs> Sorry, I'm just there's a there's a catalog <laughs> to run through there. I don't want to take your um, mind there. Actually, no, <laughs> it's funny. it's actually really. Um, I enjoy looking at those moments now that there is distance. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I think there's been moments where I've really just not allowed enough time. Mm. Time is always super challenging for me um, in that I, I need deadlines in order to be able to like deliver a work mm-hmm. <laughs> um, because otherwise I would keep noodling at it forever and ever. Yeah. Um, and I've had some moments where things did not get made the way I would like them to, or that I did not feel as confident about the work that I was putting forward because I ran into time. Yep. Yeah. Nice. Well, that's a super interesting question. Um, I think this year, one of my biggest failures was that I had um, two, I had two big jobs that happened like right after each other. And Mm. I wish if I'd looked back on it, I was exhausted when I finished them, Mm -hmm. like really, like, because I have children and a job and I, you know, I was really tired. So I think one of the things that I am looking at now to to do better is that give myself a little recuperation time and know that if somebody really wants to work with me, they'll wait a week until I recuperate and not not to just keep going and burning myself out because I did burn out, Mm -hmm. I think, and I had to like... um, you know, it took me a lot longer to recover. And I think if I just take, okay, well, I've just done this huge job, take some time to just regenerate because creativity is extra energy. Like, oh, yeah. Yeah. you know, you have to have some energy to be creative. So, mm-hmm. so I think it's, it's important to not, um, to not grasp and cling to the idea that you have to keep going in order for it to be <laughs> successful. You need to like make sure that you put something back in the tank. So that would yeah. be, I think that was my big lesson. And then in terms of artwork, like, when I was making work for this show, there was some there was some work that came out that I was like, wow, like <laughs> laughing at, like gut yeah. gut like gut laughing, uh, crying about, sure. you know, like where I was We've just like, there. oh my We've gosh, this is terrible, you know. <laughs> but um, uh, you know, and I was showing it to Julia, and she was laughing at me too. So like, you know, I think there's like recognizing that you make a lot of mistakes, yeah. totally. and that you, you gotta let yourself do that, and you know, and not everybody's gonna love it, yeah, and that's yeah. okay. That's very good. But uh, yeah, knowing yourself and because I think we drive ourselves quite a bit, especially with creativity and art. Mm-hmm. You just want to keep going. But I, I'm struggling with that. I'm trying to learn what you're about what you're talking about with the pace. Yeah. Like, yeah, I think yeah. that's so important because yeah. ultimately we're human and we need. Uh, well, it's just like we need to have downtime in yes. order to be creative. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like there's so much that's like having a good night's sleep. You wake up the next day and you're like, okay, I'm down. Let's do this. Yeah. Yeah. But if you continually push yourself where you're running on adrenaline, yeah. like that's a huge problem for our whole world right now. But I think that I think particularly as an artist, it's important to allow yourself some downtime. All right. And yeah. uh, last one and my favorite, <laughs> what advice, what advice would you give yourself just before you went to post-secondary 
Oh shit. Mm. But your younger self went just before you went to post secondary. About art or life? Uh, anything. <laughs> um, let's see where this takes us. Oh my God. I think I would have maybe. Um, I took school so seriously, like so seriously. That's a bad thing. No, it um, <laughs> it was a good thing, and it's not to say that I didn't I didn't have fun, um, but I think one of the survival mechanisms that I've built in this career over the last ten or fifteen years has been to not take myself so seriously. Um, that everything isn't a live or die decision, that there's there's <laughs> yeah. room to make mistakes. It, it took me a long time to really embrace the idea of risk and chance and failure, and they're incredibly fruitful tools. Mm -hmm. But if you're so afraid of risk or failure <laughs> that you never take a chance, that is paralyzing. And I think going into post-secondary, I was used to like being quite good within the very tiny high school pool of art mm. making yeah. and then being like oh everybody's really good <laughs> yeah <laughs> and and just be like having to check the ego a little bit and just being and learning that over and over again of just coming to the table with the best you have to offer with very little expectation but a lot of hope mm -hmm. and that would have been really great advice <laughs> at so that time listen up people getting gold all right yeah. <laughs> i think i was probably a completely different student than amy <laughs> like, did you take it too easy is that the oh <laughs> i like the first thing that came to mind was like don't drink and smoke so much maybe that's good like, advice not, don't be such an alcoholic um <laughs> but actually um, I would say uh, to myself at 21 that I would say to that person to allow yourself to make mistakes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like really just rec like it's so I keep saying this, but it's so much about like I think when we get embarrassed about our mistakes, it's because we our ego so attached to it that we feel like mm -hmm. people are judging us or whatever. But yeah. I would say play your cards and allow yourself to make mistakes. That's very good. And it's been, I think that's been the constant theme actually throughout our conversation, which I found, yeah. uh, and it's for a reason. It's because to really learn from them and like being, I guess, being humble and human with it and maybe stepping aside from it is, well, is very cha challenging. Not, it's not, you know, just being able to step back yeah. from your, your insecurity. I think, yeah. I think I, that played a big part of my, uh, in, in my life as a 20 something person, which it's sad because I think you spend a lot of energy kind of worrying about that. But, um, you know, like, like I said, life is short and it's so important to, to allow yourself to be curious and, yeah. and go for it. Wow. That was incredible. I, yeah, that was so good. All I had to, all I had to do was just kind of get out of the way and let you do <laughs> chat and teach you things. That was amazing. Uh, Thank you so much for your time. Oh, just yeah, so much for hosting us. Really? Yeah. I feel yeah. so flattered to be here and that yeah. you would yeah, even I feel care. very flattered. No, that's <laughs> honestly, like, uh, I, I, more of this kind of information used to be shared and you two are very experienced and I think there's so much knowledge and value and, you know, I hope you continue Thank educating you. and spreading all the good uh, knowledge and wealth. Thank you. Uh, so um, let's do it this way. Uh, let us know. Uh, let the listeners know how to find you. And then I'll uh, quickly mention the show and everything else before we wrap up. For sure. Um, so if folks are interested in looking at Amy Henny Brown's work, they can visit my website, uh, amybrown.ca, A-I-M-E-E-B-R-O-W-N.ca. Um, or you can find me on Instagram at Amy Henny Brown. Go find her. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm at www 
dot tristess seeliger t-r-i-s-t-e-s-s-e-s-e-e-l-i-g-e-r.com and my instagram is at missy trissy that's right go find them and they got an art show coming up uh called in situ uh, am i saying it right in situ in situ so it's a softer t okay there you go i'll continue learning and it's an uh four uh artist uh show with uh alongside uh, Julia Croats and Jesse McNeil, along with Tristess and Amy. And it's going to be June 2nd to July 1st, opening, let's see, Saturday, 3 p.m., right? Yeah. And mm-hmm. are you also doing a talk? Do you know when that's happening? Yes. Yeah, we have a talk on June 16th, which is also a Saturday at 3 p.m. Very and nice. I believe all four of us will are be, gonna be there at yeah. the talk. Yeah. Okay, so do not miss out because you know this was incredible i can only imagine how much when you're going to get very deep into the artwork uh the show so i'll make sure to see you there i guess for uh, everyone listening uh i well i hope you enjoyed all the background noises we had during the show (laughs) i think the baby kind of helped make the show i think it's great (laughs) also don't forget today's the last day to uh, submit your application to the south main gallery for the open call and uh, as we've mentioned before summer seven yeah incredible opportunity so do not miss out. If uh, you want to hear more about Creative Theory Podcast, uh, find us on Instagram and Facebook under that said name. I throw videos now on YouTube as well if it's easier for you. Otherwise, if you're missing your art dose, Snackcast is going to be from 2 to 4. Thanks for listening and I uh, appreciate you. Have a good one. Thank you so much. Thank you. Yeah. Bye.